3: 971 FM Talk Podcast
1: Johnny is a Joker. He's a bird, a very funny joker.
3: Second bird. Amendment Radio and the Great Outdoors. So glad to have you along, Mark Cox here. Bo Matthews, my partner. Carl Middleman, our producer. Hi. With the great music, uh, th- thank you, Carl. Bird dog. It's a bird dog. <laughs> Talking about my uh, recent uh, pheasant hunting trip that I just got back from. It was a great time,
4: Bo. Are we Are we gonna get the tattoo? Or are we changing your nickname? <laughs>
3: Big Bird. Big Bird. Yeah, I should. No. Uh, I had a fantastic (laughs) time. Uh, First time for me, it was a bucket list thing. I got to go out to very close to Mitchell, South Dakota, home of the Corn Palace. Corn Palace Palace capital. The Corn Palace. Except, you know what's bigger than the Corn Palace? The Cabela's in Mitchell, South Dakota. It's much (laughs) bigger than the Corn Palace because that's where everybody (laughs) goes. Everybody with a pickup truck was at Cabela's this weekend when I was up there last weekend.
4: I bet it's good. I it's a good bet. time. My mom, my mom actually didn't grow up too far from there, and uh, pa- Pipestone, Minnesota, and Chandler, Minnesota, oh, right man. there, right well, there.
3: This was a. I tell you, we you know we had our friend Chad Hanson on last weekend talking about it a little bit, and it just until you until you've experienced it, it doesn't do it justice. Now, here's the thing about it. I got it, we got really lucky with the weather because South Dakota is known for being windy all the time, and. uh and cold this time of year so it just so happened the few days we were up there it was the coldest was in the low 30s when we'd head out in the morning and then it was suddenly in the 50s and the last day we were there it was in the mid 60s by the afternoon Wow um nice. so that we got it we caught a really good stretch of weather while we were there and it just made it so much more enjoyable not to be miserable out there in the fields but I I've hunted birds my whole life for the most part, they've been farm raised or you go down here to will nor one of the local hunting clubs and they set out the birds they raise them in a pen basically a big pen where they can fly around and then they take them into the field and plant them in corn rows and stuff and then you go out later with your dog and you try to find the birds now they they're free to fly away usually they don't until you flush them with the dog I went to South Dakota, and was stunned at the number of wild birds, specifically pheasant, which is what we were hunting ringneck pheasants. Um, it, it was it was amazing. Here's what they do, Bo. Uh, the the place where we hunted, the guy owns several thousand acres, and he farms it, and he he raises corn and beans. And at the end of the season, he he leaves small sections of those corn rows standing let's say 10 okay. or 15 rows across um and and maybe 200 yards long and, and that's the, the habitat the, the for birds for the go birds in there right. to eat the, the corn right the, the, sure, that's sure. where they gravitate to here's the other good thing about bird hunting in south dakota you're not allowed to hunt before 10 in the morning what? I guess it gives the birds a chance to eat breakfast, get up, move around. I I, I don't know. I don't know the reason. <laughs> and for you it. too. All I know is <laughs> it was relaxing because you're not up at the crack of dawn. You could sleep in, have breakfast, get ready. Gives it gives it time to warm up a little more outside and then you go out and you you walk these fields. Now we had bird, we had dogs that are, that are trained for that kind of hunting. These were sure. not these these dogs w- were were not the ones that would go on point. Their job is to walk ahead of you in these cornfields and flush the birds out, right? Wow. So you'd have a couple of people walking as wings on each side, and then you'd have people, depending on how wide the row was, walking through the corn from one end to the other, and these birds would often run ahead of you. You could see them running down the aisles. And then when, <laughs> when they'd get close to the end or a dog would get near them, they'd take off. You're only allowed to hunt the roosters, not the hens. And only 3, right? And 3 per person. So if you've got 7 people in your group, you you can you, you know, you got a limit of 21. So
4: Okay. Yeah. And and how did you do?
3: Well, great. I mean, now here here I will I will a little caveat. There was not much wind the first two days. The last day, they said welcome to South Dakota. The wind's blowing 20 <laughs> 25 miles an hour, right? Right. So these birds are not they're not pheasant compared to a grouse or something like that or something smaller. Are are not they're, they're big birds, so it takes them a little while to get off the ground. Right, the wild ones are a little faster than the farm raised ones. Okay, but the difference is when they get above the corn stalks and they get a hold of that twenty mile an hour wind, they go subsonic. I mean, I'm not oh, kidding. Wow. You. I I was not prepared for that. You've got to be really fast, and you've got to. It takes a little bit of an adjustment to realize that the bird you're shooting is flying, plus it's got a twenty mile an hour tailwind. Nice. So it was it was a challenging uh, weekend, but man did we have a good time. I would highly recommend that to everyone who hasn't done it.
4: Well, you went you went with Chad uh, Hansen of Hansen's Tree Service. I did. And you didn't know anybody else on this trip, right?
3: Um no. Um I you, I well I did. Chad. I knew I knew d- d- Chad was there with the with his his cousin's husband who I'd met and uh so I knew Curtis, uh but uh, other than that, no. I I met everyone when I got up there. How did you
4: how did you get along with them? Because I mean, I've heard your morning show, and you're you're pretty opinionated. <laughs> and uh, so, did you get along with everybody, or were you rubbing them the wrong way? No, of course not. No, we we
3: all got we all got <laughs> along. I mean, it was a very conservative group, let's put it that way. But overall, okay, good. But we had we just you know you don't sometimes politics comes up in the course of conversation. We drank a lot of good bourbon. Uh, we good. we ate good meals. Of course, uh, it's it's farm country. Beef country specifically went out to a great steakhouse called Cattleman's Steakhouse one night, and that was delicious. But it was good. Sounds
4: like a great place to go. Yeah. And so did the you birds eat the home. pheasants at all? Did Not while the we were there. Or no? Not while we were there. Oh, okay. Uh,
3: they were field dressed and brought home. Okay, well, I didn't hear uh, you
4: talk about this earlier this week on your show, but on the Mark Cox Show Facebook page, there are some great pictures. Those those birds are beautiful, by They're the way, gorgeous. Uh, yeah, uh, but there's a there's a shot of you sitting down at what looks like a a shooting stand. Or, you know, like a, a is this where you're sighting
3: in your gun or are you hunting from this? Kim Saint yeah. Ange had the same question. I posted that picture because it's so beautiful. The picture itself, if you look at it up there on my Facebook page, the Mark Cox Show, the picture is just beautiful it shows the he kind of turned the phone sideways and you see the vastness of the sky it was about the sun had just come up over the horizon it was about 8 30 in the morning and you can't hunt till 10 so these guys bring their rifles with them we were hunting with shotguns for the birds they bring their rifles with them and they they do target practice So they'd go out 150, 200 yards and set a metal target out, and then they've got scoped rifles. We were shooting a 22 and a 17 HMR with scopes on them, and we were sitting out there doing target practice. We were not shooting at birds with a rifle, trust me.
4: Gotcha. Well, that would be a little bit difficult, (laughs) I would think.
3: (laughs) Well, you'd have to really be good to do that. (laughs) Given how fast they fly, you'd have to uh, really be up to snuff to get that done.
4: So, have you been and invited back for next year?
3: <laughs> yes, and I, I yes, and I'm I'm a little I'm, I'm a little embarrassed to say why. Why you got to tell they me you didn't a, go to the they, corn palace? They said I have to come back for a redemption year. <laughs> now, what I did a pretty good job shooting compared to some of those guys. I was knocking birds out left and right, but I think I mentioned that you're only supposed to shoot the roosters. Oh. <clears throat> And I'm and I and I'm just saying, may or may not have taken out one of those birds that I wasn't supposed to. I'm just saying. And when that happens, um, they, they they give you a little nickname and then they all laugh at you because <laughs> you're not supposed to do that.
4: It, are they okay? So, when it comes to pheasant hunting, are the males and females that distinctly different? Oh, my God.
3: The males are beautiful. The males are the ring necked pheasants you see with the gorgeous colors. I sent you a picture of them.
4: Yeah, the yeah, hens, yeah.
3: The hens are just a mottled gray and they don't have the long tail feathers. So, when they fly up, unless they're flying up together, you can usually fairly quickly tell, depending on how far away you are, if it's a hen or a rooster. Oh, and okay. and the okay. habit up there is when a rooster flies, everybody yells, rooster! And when a hen flies, everybody yells, hen! Except I had tuned all that out, and all I saw was a bird flying away from the crowd, and I happened to be on that side away from them, and I'm thinking, I'll be the last one to shoot at it. Boom. And Uh-oh. anyway. And and so anyway. So it, it, my it's, only,
4: my yeah. only uh, comparison, and we talked about this last mm-hmm. week, Mark, I'm sorry to interrupt, but uh, it, it, it does the skeet and trap shooting that we've done does that help you when sure. you're actually going bird hunting? it does it does, it does help it,
3: it, it does because if you you, you have to the skill set that that takes is learning to track the the bird and yes. and, and depending on where it's flying shoot ahead of it like you almost you almost learned and you don't stop moving you you almost spray your shot a little bit when you're shooting and and okay, so that okay. helps when your' bird when you're bird hunting because they're flying away from you at an increasing rate of speed and you have okay. to really work on your timing and learn where you have to place that shot so it does okay I'm gonna I'm, I gotta helps. I
4: gotta jump in here let's talk about responders rescue let's get that out there for your fundraiser
3: yeah yeah thank you text responder to 33100 text responder. To thirty-three one zero zero, you'll get a link to our ATF Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms raffle. All the money goes to Responder Rescue. There's a there's a five point five six rifle. There's a basket of bourbon. There's a, a night at a cigar lounge worth about nine hundred bucks in uh, bourbon. It's going to be fantastic. All the money goes to a charity, so we appreciate it. Get cool. your tickets now. Yeah. All right. Coming up, we're still going to talk about uh, the new gun laws and how they're being challenged over in Illinois. We'll be back in a minute.
0: His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician.
3: Welcome back to Second Amendment Radio and the Great Outdoors. Mark Cox here along with Beau Matthews and Carl Middleman. Been covering this story now for much longer than I thought we would have to. And that's the story of the assault weapons ban in in the state of Illinois. I thought this would have been overturned by now. It just seems to keep moving along, and I think eventually it goes to the the United States Supreme Court. Uh, We have got on the Missouri Brush Control guest line right now, Illinois State Senator Darren Bailey is joining us. And, uh, Senator, welcome back to the show. How are you? Hey, good morning. I
5: am doing great.
3: Well, it's good to have you on here. You know, we, uh, Bo and I have talked about this story quite a bit, and uh, just recently we were talking with uh, Shannon Bream from Fox News Sunday. She covers the Supreme Court for Fox News, and she was telling us that she sees this case, along with a couple of others, being on the Supreme Court uh, docket and maybe a decision by next spring.
5: Well, we're certainly praying for that. I know the Illinois State Rifle Association is expecting that. And, you know, we're frustrated and sometimes maybe surprised that a lot of these uh, bans and and laws are being upheld. But, you know, that's the importance of being involved in government, running for office, showing up to vote, because when we take a look at many of these, uh, you know, judges that are, you know, imposing uh, uh, many of these rulings, we find out that they are, uh, you know, they are, they're, they're, Left-wing judges, they're, 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 they're woke judges. We can, we can see that in their, in their, uh, in their patterns that they, uh, they rule on. So, again, uh, it's up to we, the people, to start electing uh, men and women uh, to, to serve in these positions who will stand on the Constitution. And uh, like I said, I think that's one of the biggest problems uh, with the frustration today. We wonder how this happened, uh, but uh, we've, uh, we've given up the reins of government we, the people, have.
4: Illinois State Senator Bailey is our guest. Uh, this is Bo, by the way. Um, really good to have you on. Um, you know, I, I really uh, I get tired of hearing the term assault weapons. And, and really, if you think about it, it's just flipping a word uh, because most Americans that are law-abiding gun owners have defense weapons, not assault weapons. So that's my uh, two cents for you uh, moving forward. But, you know, other than voting, in your opinion, what can Illinoisans do – uh, to to help call uh, to help fight in this cause.
5: Well, again, other than both. Uh, well, thank you. Uh, let their voices be made known. We Illinoisans need to be showing up uh, in force. You know, in Springfield, we need to be contacting our legislators every day, if need be. All, you know, people just write off the fact that, well, maybe maybe my uh, a representative or senator is a Democrat. There's no there's no use. I think that if uh, you know. We make their lives uncomfortable by showing up, asking the questions, demanding answers. Uh, that does work. People don't like accountability, and when accountability knocks at the door, you know it can indeed change things. Yeah, you know, the irony of this whole situation, as you as you suggest, uh, calling uh, many of these uh, uh, guns assault weapons. The irony is that AR actually stands for Armalite rifle, and Armalite. Is a company that was based out of Moline Rock uh, Rock Island area that actually developed this gun in the '60s. So h- isn't it ironic now that that uh, that 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 company's been pushed out of state? It's actually illegal to even manufacture these, let alone buy, sell, and trade. And as well as many other, we've got some wonderful uh, bullet manufacturers here in the state as well. And now they they you know it's against the law for them to uh, manufacture 50 caliber cartridges. So. So, no, we are, um, you know, Judge Kavanaugh said in a ruling here, uh, I think a, a few years ago, that, uh, you know, the Second Amendment uh, does have room for, you know, some legal, some, 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 uh, some cause of uh, maybe what we would call infringement. And then when he gave his example, he said, well, you know, because dangerous people probably should be prohibited from owning guns. <laughs> I, I don't think anyone would argue with that. We're talking right. about law abiding citizens and our rights being infringed upon that there should be no infringement there is i just see absolutely no room for interpretation with that in the second amendment
3: no no and you know i i'm i'm looking at the recent court ruling uh regarding this assault weapons ban and the, you know somehow these judges reached a conclusion that 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 this was okay because these were military type weapons and, I mean, first of all, for people that have been in the military, they know you don't use semi-automatic sporting rifles in the military, you use fully automatic weapons. Just because the two of them look alike, they're nothing like the same kind of weapon. Most law-abiding citizens I know don't want to own a machine gun. I mean, I've been to a range and fired a fully automatic weapon. It's not accurate. It's not fun to shoot. It wastes a lot of ammunition unnecessarily. That That's not why most people own these guns to begin with. and, and Passing more laws and banning things doesn't stop them, Senator, from getting in the hands of the criminals who misuse them.
5: No, 100 percent. And, you know, back to Bo's comment, what can the average person do? Well, we work within what we can do. You know, we show up, we vote, we show up and speak out. We make our voices known. But at the end of the day, uh, we as Americans are going to have to decide you know, uh, if if we're going to be resolved to the point that we're going to stand on the Constitution and our freedoms at, at such a point, aside from from what you know current legislatures and judges uh, tell us and how they interpret some of this stuff, because it's interesting that history history shows us what happens uh, when people lay down their freedoms, mm-hmm. and it's I, th- I think it's uh, ironic as well that today the history that I learned. Uh, in school, you know, 50 years ago, 40 years ago, that's not being taught today. And a lot of this history is is, is, is being forgotten. And I believe it's on purpose because when you forget your history, uh, then you lose track of, of who you are and you certainly have no idea of where you're going. And, and this country is, 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 you know, founded upon and relies upon the American people standing on you know their beliefs that are all encompassed in that wonderful document called the constitution and when we fail to show up and we fail to speak up and when we allow uh people to trample on and take our freedoms then you know the day is over for this amazing country
4: well uh you are running against incumbent u.s uh representative mike boston the republican primary for the 12th congressional district in the 2024 house elections um just uh, as we passed another election day and the stories come out um about you know issues at polling places around the country Pennsylvania I think had a couple of them there was there was uh, several um do you think Americans are just thinking that their vote won't count uh, i was in a meeting yesterday actually uh senator bailey and they were explaining it was the the uh, the the voter uh, uh you know uh, the, the team uh, that you know controls these the the voters oh, I can't think of the name um the, the election board the election yeah the election board okay. they they did a demonstration and it seemed like in the state of Missouri you know you have to do this this and this everything's counted paper ballot no internet connection to the to the the thing um do you feel that you know your constituents are saying we don't even know if the the elections are going to be you know up to muster
5: now I believe that is 100% of the problem. The church has gone asleep. People are giving up. Before I announced to run for governor uh, last year, when I when I ran against J.B. Pritzker. Uh, We did a research and we found data, pretty solid data that suggested right here in Illinois, if 60 percent, it was like 57.6 percent of registered voters would show up and vote, that there certainly are more of us who believe in what the Constitution says than than those who don't. And I mean, that was a no brainer. You know, I had come off of Sue and J.B. Pritzker winning that lawsuit. I stood up against the mask mandates, you know, the only one in the House to do that. And, and to the point that I got kicked out, uh, I, I, it's a no brainer. People, we were being invited to speak all over the state to open up restaurants and and hotels and businesses and schools and churches. And then we fast forward to November eighth, twenty twenty two, six fifty nine. AP calls the race. <laughs> you know, when hours of people in the Chicagoland area were still standing in line, and and uh, we called them up and said, Well, what are you what are you guys doing? You, you weren't issuing any, you weren't doing exit polling. And I said, no, we know, but it's already, we know we can forecast that it's going to be a terribly low turnout. They they said it's going to be in the low 40s. And sure enough, only 45% of registered voters in the state uh, showed up to vote. And even to this, even as of yesterday, I'm still talking to people that I know I should have voted, but my vote doesn't count. It's rigged, Chicago, there's fraud, blah, blah, blah. People are failing to show up and vote. And uh, to the point that here in Illinois, especially, that we get a 60 plus percent turnout and lose elections, well, then we have grounds, you know, that we then we have grounds to challenge the system because we know there's fraud, we know there's cheating, there's always been that. But to the point we don't know because enough people certainly aren't showing up to vote. So yeah. I just, you know, Veterans Day is coming up and God bless the men and women that served our country to protect, protect our freedoms. And they gave every one of the rest of us the duty to uphold those freedoms. And the one way we have to do that is to show up and to vote and to possibly serve as simply as a precinct committeeman all the way up to to Congress, Senate, governors and presidents.
3: Yep. Uh, Illinois State Senator Darren Bailey with us right now and uh, running for Congress in the 12th Congressional District and and the primary against Mike Bost, the current congressman. You know, looking ahead, uh, Senator, let's assume that this time next year, you've won the primary, you get elected to the United States Congress. You're one of 435 people, voices up there at that point. What do you do to make a difference? Because, you know, to me, the voices that are heard the least often and the most maligned are the people like, I'll just take you, like a Matt Gates who stands up and says, listen, this is stupid. Why are we spending trillions of dollars more than we take in every year? And those voices seem to fall on deaf
5: ears. <clears throat> Well, to to a point, you are correct. They they fall on deaf ears because too many people, like my opponent, talk about how the Matt Gateses of the world, uh, you know, are are have no idea what's going on. People like too many people are serving, like my opponent, that that have allowed government to grow, who who have allowed regulations to increase, who have, who have passed every budget known to man, who who sent money to to you know Planned Parenthood, so that's what I'm doing. I think that's when you think about and consider what elevated me and that this wonderful blessing of being able to run for governor of Illinois, it's just that we were strategic. We, we stood up, we, we had a movement and we empowered that movement. So I think as we continue to add to the numbers of the freedom caucus and, and, and men like Matt Gates, women like Marjorie Taylor green, uh, we stand up. We, we, there's not enough of them right now because many times People who show up for these positions, like my opponent, who's been in government for over forty years, they they continue. They they just sit behind the desk and, and they push that yes and no button. They come back to the district, hey, I'm fighting the bad guys, and then they, they go back and they compromise. You know, he he calls himself a governing conservative. Well, that means uh, that means you, you compromise to get things done. Our party, our Republican Party, that believes wholeheartedly in the Second Amendment that believes in in the less government, less regulations, that believes in life and better education, that we have those answers. But the problem is what I saw in Springfield for four years – nobody wants to stand on those. Everybody wants to go up and get their name on a bill. They want to. They want to get their name in a in the newspaper article. They want to go cut the ribbon for the new bridge or whatever it is. That's all they care about. And they want to get reelected because if you stay reelected, you get all your 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 insurance paid for. You get your uh, pension. Uh, that's what's that's what's wrong with government. And Thomas Jefferson said that when he was president. He said when Americans figure out they can vote themselves entitlements. Democracy will fail. So I truly intend on showing up with the Matt Gaetzes and, and speaking out and empowering Southern Illinois and ultimately all of Illinois to realize that uh, what, this life we're living, this future that we're handing to our, our children and our grandchildren that looks just absolutely terrible, we can change it. But we have to step up, speak out, put our necks on the line and, and and you know empower people and and get those people get the people out wake the churches up uh, to, and to get out and, and change this. And we have to do it now. We really do. All right. We well, Illinois
4: State Senator now. Darren Bailey, thank you so much uh, for folks that uh, are listening to Second Amendment Radio on the Great Outdoors in the bi-state area here around St. Louis. Uh, where can people follow uh, your actions as you are moving forward?
5: Uh, go to my certified page, Darren Bailey, on Facebook. You, I keep you very up to date, and otherwise. My website is Bailey for Illinois dot com. Go there, join our movement, and uh, you'll see I'm every day standing up, speaking out against establishment and uh, uh, liberal left views. Thanks Very for good. doing the heavy lifting, sir.
3: <laughs> yeah, Senator Darren Bailey, thanks. We'll have you on again. God, Thank God you. bless you. Thank you so much. All right, Bye. yeah. Take care of yourself. Uh, okay, here we go, man. Uh, I, I didn't even. I, I'm glad we had him on today. I didn't realize uh, Mike Bost was involved in a competitive primary over there. So we'll have to get get Congressman Boss on here maybe at some point as well. Hey, coming up, uh, we're going to talk uh, hunting, right? Uh, Hunting trips. I just got back from a hunting trip. Deer season opening this weekend. Uh, Lots of good stuff to come on Second Amendment Radio and the Great Outdoors.
4: amendment radio and the great outdoors alongside mark cox i'm bo matthews carl middleman our executive producer there. there he is right there this segment is brought to you by razorback armory if you are looking for fully automatic weapons guess what Razorback Armory can help broker them and secure semi and fully automatic weapons at their uh, St. Louis County store. It's right there in De Pair. ARs, fully automatic submachine guns, but they are only for sale in store. So go see Jesse and Brad and uh, find them online at RazorbackArmory.com. Missouri Brush Control Guest Line. We have Tim Ritterboss on the line, uh, fresh back from Colorado. Another another hunting trip story we're going to get, just like uh, Big Fish gave us his story earlier in the program. Uh, but it's it's weird. I was profiling on Facebook. I'm scrolling, and I see a friend of mine, Amanda. She's uh, she's standing next to this dude with all this camo, and I'm like, okay, this guy's he's got to be legit. <laughs> so I reached out to her, and I said, who is this guy? And she told me a little bit about him. And uh, so then he and I had kind of a pre-conversation conversation. conversation. So, Tim Ritterboss, welcome to Second Amendment Radio, sir. How are you again?
6: Hey, doing great, doing great. This is like Super Bowl week of the year. We're at the end of archery season, going into rifle. Waterfowl's going crazy, so yeah, I'm I'm living the dream right now. Yeah, I love it. I love it.
4: Show off. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) Uh, he's also uh, one of the uh, one of the members of the Missouri Sports Club, a sportsman's club, and we're gonna we're gonna talk to him about that. But Tim, give us uh, give us the rundown real quick on your uh, trip to Colorado for elk hunting.
6: Yes, sir. Yeah. So that actually came about as a result of a Missouri Sportsman's Club event uh, earlier this year, but. You know, I had grown up in Missouri, you know, always done, you know, whitetail hunting, um, got into, you know, waterfowl, never been out west. And uh, let me just tell you what, it is a lot more accessible than you'd think. Um, got a group of guys together, drove through the night, got out there. The mountains were incredible. I mean, absolutely uh-huh. beautiful.
3: Yeah. so You know. What you say? No, I was just going to say. So, uh, where were you in Colorado? What did you have to get this um, set up in advance? Did you go with a guide? How did you do it?
6: Yeah. So, actually, went with this uh, this guy from our group uh, who went last year all by himself. Hiked eleven miles in up a mountain, wow. shot an elk, and packed it all out by himself. And that guy said, "Come along." So, uh, <laughs> so, so we were unguided. Uh, And actually, in Colorado, you can get over-the-counter tags, Um, so you you can put in for the lottery for some stuff, but uh, anybody who wants it can go uh, pick up a tag for bull elk and uh, and get out there and do it. So we went to Craig, Colorado, which is kind of the northwest corner uh, past Steamboat, and uh, basically just lived on the mountain for five days.
3: That's impressive. (laughs) <laughs>
4: you know, you, you had told me the the the, uh, the guy that went there last year and he he did get an elk and he had to drag it out uh, five miles each way and you said it was like four or five trips to get it all out. Uh, Tim, after we hung up on that first phone call, I failed to ask how did the meat stay good for all that walking time that the guy had.
6: Well, luckily um, for, for for meat preservation, it never got above freezing the entire time we were up there. Um, so actually the coldest, coldest morning we went out, it was zero degrees, Um, you know, so, you know, when you're doing all this packing, which is much different than what you do in Missouri, I mean, you know, when, when I was hunting this morning, you know, I'm literally in a stand, I can see my F-150, you know, on the other side of the field and I'll, I'll drive my truck right up to the, uh, right up to the, to the deer. Um, right. You know, out there, you know, you're walking in the dark, you know, a mile and a half, two miles back just to get to where you're going to you're going to start hunting for the day. Wow. Um, so, so, yeah, while you're doing all this packing, um, in theory, uh, he, he did it last year. We, uh, we we did not end up with one this year. But, uh, you know, I mean, it, it, oh. it's very cold. Uh, you know, you got a team of guys with you there to help um and uh and yeah you just spend uh spend all day doing it and then uh you load your truck up with ice and drive back to st louis as fast as you can wow
3: so tim (laughs) for people who haven't done this before and i have not done it in colorado are are you did you see other hunters was it fairly isolated uh when you were out there for five days and were you were you trophy hunting or were you looking for meat
6: yeah good question so you know i was very concerned going in i i don't do a ton of public land hunting, and I had heard just the stories of just rows and rows of campsites up and down the, the roads on the mountains here. But uh, and there were a lot of a lot of campsites. You know, we were we were camping close to other hunters who were all incredibly friendly. You know, share just enough about kind of where they like to go without giving away the honey holes. Um, you know, so there was some camaraderie there. Uh, but when I was out, uh, we were we were out walking around for four days up there, um, actually like on the ground moving. And uh, there was one time where I saw two guys about 500 yards away. And then I saw one of the outfitters watering their horses at a, at a, at a little pond. So there wasn't uh, wasn't a ton of people stepping on each other. I mean, you would see footprints here and there because there was all snow. Uh, but uh, but there really wasn't a, a ton of folks bumping into each other, which which is really a pleasant surprise. That's
4: awesome. Hey, uh, you know, one of the other things that I learned about you, Tim, on our first call was, uh, your organization that you have called Missouri sportsman's club. It was established back in 2015. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. And, and I do want to mention, I joined your, uh, your newsletter, uh, email list, uh, cause it is free to join, correct?
6: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, 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 thanks for, uh, thanks for signing on. And, and yeah, I mean, that, that's really what, what, you know, was the kickoff to this trip in the first place. So, yeah, so I, was friends with a gentleman uh, at uh, the church, uh, the Journey Church in West County, and we were talking you know, just about our love for being outdoors and wanting to share that with more folks. Um, so eventually, this idea of the Missouri Sportsman's Club uh, came into fruition. And the whole point, you know, really is to provide turnkey opportunities for, for men to be able to go out and experience different events out in nature. A lot of it has to do around hunting or shooting or fishing. Um, You know, so, so we'll plan these events. We'll put them all together, you know, guys with, with tons of experience. Uh, We'll train folks with no experience when we're out there. And, and it really does two things. I mean, first it, uh, you know, it gets you exposed to a bunch of other stuff, you know, so, you know, when when this started uh, this, this organization, all I had really done was deer hunting. Well, now you know I love fly fishing. You know, I, I'm I'm waterfowling all the time. Obviously, this this elk trip was was a different thing. I've gotten into pheasant hunting. So so you know, you've really got all these different guys with all this wisdom, teaching and training other folks kind of what to do in these other types of of outdoor activities. And and then the real thing is, you know, I think I think men, you know, in in today's culture, it's easy to get kind of distant. It's easy to get lonely, and we you know, connect, I think, through doing things together, you know, being together, working together, you know, walking through zero degrees in the snow together. And so, you know, that's the other big thing about this is just providing, you know, that soil
3: for guys. Yeah, I think it's great. com is the website if people want to go there and find out more about it. I think that's great that you do that. Let's talk about what deer season looks like for you, Tim. Is that, did you have a do you do you hunt publicly here? Do you have private land where you hunt? Um, what, what are you what are you uh, looking for this weekend?
6: So I, I might be the luckiest guy in the world, um, but uh, so my my now wife uh, was previously a coworker of mine. And the first time she ever called me on the phone uh, back before we were dating was to tell me that her aunt and uncle uh, have 14 acres in Defiance, and they'd be they'd be more than welcome to have a guy come out there and hunt it. So wow,
1: <laughs> yeah, nice. So,
6: so it, it's surrounded by 2,000 acres of of, of another wealthy family um, wealthy family's private land, and this is the last little 14 acres right in the middle of it. So it's uh, it's, a, <laughs> it's, a, it's a primo spot and it, and And now we live out in Lake st Louis, so you know it, it takes me fifteen minutes from my garage uh to my stand you know go hunt you know before work and then get back to the office by you know eight eight thirty <laughs> um it, it It's just about the nicest setup that you could possibly have so i you know I get up there you know for 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 quite a few days throughout the year and and just sit and relax and it's 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 a beautiful way to start the day
3: no oh, it is yeah i i'm I'm looking forward to it myself I'm kind of to the point where I'm looking for a certain uh, a deer, right? I I I want to get a a pretty good sized buck. My wife's not thrilled about that idea because she's not sure where that mount is going to go. But that's <laughs> that's my first. I got to find the deer and get it, and and then I can worry about where I'm going to hang it
4: on the mm-hmm. hood of your yeah, pickup that's... truck. How about that? <laughs>
6: Yeah, that that's always kind of the problem. I mean, so yeah, we we had we had kind of had the discussion. Okay, what if we, what if we get it out, you know, out in Colorado? And, and just by the way, it's, it's bull tag only. So we saw, um, you know, a bunch of cows. Um, you know, had a had a spike. Um, you know, non legally, you need four points on a side, and a whole bunch of muleys, which we did not have a tag for. So, but we had had the conversation, and it was it was determined that it would. Uh, you know, it, it could possibly go over the fireplace, maybe if it was a nice enough elk. So, okay. you know, I, I've at least got a spot when I go back next year, hopefully. And hopefully those we'll things
3: are massive. You must have a big fireplace. Yeah, you know, we, we, we <laughs> do get
6: the tall ceilings. I'm six foot seven, so that was one of the requirements when we, when we bought our house was to have nice tall ceilings. Cause <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, okay, so let's jump back to that first phone call from your now wife. Uh, I've heard of, uh, you know, love at first sight, but it was, it was love at first phone call.
6: That that was kind of it. I mean, you know, if if, if if a cute girl from your office calls you up on the phone and says, "Hey, you know, my aunt and uncle got this place, and you can go deer hunt it if you want," you know, I mean, that's you know, that's courting behavior there, you know. Yeah. It's like, yeah,
4: what's the old joke about the guy that's uh got? He's looking for a girl and he sees her on a dating site and says she loves the fish and she owns a boat. He says, Send me a picture of your boat. Not even, <laughs> yeah. not even looking at her. <laughs> anyway, well, Tim. good deal. Tim, uh, I'll tell you what, man, it was great talking to you when we did before. And I knew this was going to be a good fit for Second Amendment radio on the great outdoors. Uh, yeah. Again, Missouri Sportsman's Club uh, is about community, fellowship, and fun. And like you said, you've you've already increased your hunting uh, game, pun intended, uh, and and different things that you're doing. So it really does seem like a good group of people. How many do you have right now? Do you think? Uh,
6: I I say our list is about three hundred plus, uh, three hundred one now. Thank you for, for for signing up. So that's good. And and so yeah, <laughs> yeah. So we, we put out we we put out this information. And I'll, I'll just t- tell you the next big event that we have. We do these quarterly fellowship events. It's a dinner. Um, so we've actually got one. On December 14th uh, from 7 to 9 p.m., we'll provide dinner. It's free. And then uh, we've actually got Travis Fitzwater, uh, who's in the Missouri State Senate, and he's going to be coming and talking about just kind of like man issues uh, in, the current, uh, in the current world that we live in. So we'd love everybody to come out and check that out.
3: Sounds good. Hey, I tell you what, Tim, great, great to meet you. We appreciate you giving us some time today. Good luck with that with your deer hunting. Thanks, guys. Yep, uh, Tim Ritterbos, uh, They're from the uh, Missouri Sportsman's Club, and yeah, newest member Bo Matthews. Dude. Yeah, I'm gonna have to join. Yeah, that too. I, well,
4: I'm 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 number 301. You could be 302. If you <laughs> I want.
3: might be 302 for sure. No, yeah. I
4: think it was probably the first time I'd ever uh, uh, like you know like profiled somebody. I was just like, okay, this guy looks legit. He looks as legit as Mark Cox in the in camo. So Thank we had to get you. him on the phone.
3: Thank you very much. Yeah, <laughs> I, I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, And hopefully a whirlwind of a show. No kidding. Uh, We got lots had lots of good information on there. And hopefully, uh, you know, the weather's probably not as cold this weekend as people were hoping for who were going deer hunting. But on the same on the same token, you're not in your deer stand freezing to death at zero degrees and in a stiff wind. So there's an upside to that. Right.
4: And the deer is still moving around. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, look yeah. at look at the side, of, look at the shoulder of your road you're driving down.
3: Long as it's not, uh, long as it's not, the wind's not blowing too much, we should be all right. That's good. We'll have to look at our deer cast right and find out.
4: Absolutely. <laughs> all right. It's good. Well, all right. uh, don't forget to share the show uh, and let people know about it. And uh, we thank you for listening. Have a great rest of your weekend, yeah. everybody, yeah. including you, Mark. Good well, luck hunting this weekend.
3: Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Bo. I'll be down to get that big buck this weekend. Thank you.
4: See you, boys.
3: Get more at 971talk.com.
0: His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician.